There's a reason why Asians don't care who the president is. Jews do not care who the president is. They got their own economic engine. They got their own infrastructure. They got their own banks. They got their own schools. They got their own churches. They got their own communities. They got their own police force. All the stuff I've been telling us that we need to get and we can build, they already got it. So they don't care what Joe Biden's doing. Tweet Talk, episode 124. Episode Shades. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Man, they've been asking for this. That one dude who always sends a tweet was like, man, where's my episode? Yep, yep. My man Dale, Feenan. I don't know why it's not letting me send this. Not letting me upload my picture. It is Easter Sunday, and we are back. Welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, with your host, Raphael Husbands, and my co-host, Charles Oglesby, the third JD, a.k.a. Todd Billionaire. What's going AKA on, Charles? A.k.a. Shades. A.k.a. Man, just out here trying to create general generational wealth with my peeps, you know? That's all. Got a chance to come out to Atlanta, which is my favorite city. Um, and been grinding. Every time I hit the ground in Atlanta, we'd be grinding. Um, it was a really cool experience. Got a chance to link up with a lot of people. Um, of course, Henry, Bruce, uh, J.R. Lee, Donald The Voice came through. Man, I don't know if you saw that. So that was super cool. Shout out to Donald The Voice. Man, that dude yeah. looks like a pure athlete in person. Very wholesome brother. Very wholesome brother. He's somebody that you want to be around. Like, you got to be around wholesome people, man. Because um, it makes you want to step your game up in terms of all the qualities that matter in life. You know, um, it's tough to be like a wholesome individual. And then you hang around people who aren't wholesome huh. because like you'll feel awkward. And then also like they can kind of bring you down. You know, you need people who are, who are in a good place and he's in a good place, you know, married family, man, all that good stuff. So got to create a community of just married brothers. That'd be dope. Um, Cause we need each other. Talk about these, these issues, you know, but man, really cool weekend. Got a chance to meet even people that I didn't know, but other people knew. And so like Erica was introducing me to a lot of really cool people that she knew um, who had built businesses, retired, moved to London. Another brother, he was in government contracts. So I got a chance to talk to him. He actually interviewed on the podcast. Great, great conversation. Uh, so we kind of bond a little bit. Um, his wife was there and he had a Rolex uh, Daytona. And I was like, man, I need that watch in my life, but I can't mm-hmm. afford it right now. He he said he got his at retail and retail is way different. He got it in like 2019. So, you know, just outer expanding because a lot of people think that you got to be in one city. And when you have a business or a brand, you can't just be specific to one city. That's how you stay small. And so like my business is just as relevant in Atlanta, if not more relevant in Atlanta than it is in California. And so people will see me out here and they think that I'm out here like traveling and having fun. Like, nah, fam, this is the next level in my business. The The expansion of my business means I have to be in different places and have a different home base in certain places. It's a way different life than that, than that job life, man, because that job life is your job is here. You're here. My business is all over the country. So I got to be all over the country. Hey, man, that location independence. You know, they say people think uh, financial freedom is all just about money. And Gucci. <laughs> it's more than that, man. Financial independence and location 
pendants. If you're in the chat, drop your city and state and hit that like button. All right, cool. So here on the Street Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, we discuss. Wait, is that? Yeah, my bad. I had a, I would just put up the YouTube. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that was me. Right here on Tweet Talk, we discuss financial tweets and building black wealth. So, brother, you had a tweet where you said, you don't earn a billion dollars, you build something worth a billion dollars. Every single billionaire that you know is a billionaire because they have a percentage of ownership in something that they built that's worth a billion dollars. Kanye West is a billionaire. Well, I won't even say that because that's partially true and partially not true. A large majority of the billionaires are, that are out there are somebody who built something worth a billion dollars, not somebody who just has a billion dollars in their bank account. Granted, there are people who are billionaires because of what they've earned, like Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, um, LeBron James. They're billionaires because of what they earned. But the reason why I put that out there is because in order to like earn a billion dollars at that level, which is like an employee level, you got to be a once in a lifetime, once in a generation talent. And most of us aren't a once in a generation talent. So a more common and a more probable and a more likely for you to get to a billion is to build something worth a billion. So it was an overgeneralized tweet, but Elon Musk does not have a billion dollars. Well, maybe he does because he's worth massive, massive billions of dollars. But the reason why he's a billionaire is because Tesla stock just keeps going up and up and up and up. The reason why Bezos is a billionaire is because Amazon stock goes up and up and up and up. They own a percentage of an organization that's worth multiple billions of dollars. And you know what's interesting is I was actually thinking about this is we always brag about like billionaire individuals, but what about these organizations? that aren't even billionaires, they're trillionaires. So for example, Apple is a trillion dollar company. Do you know what you can do when you have a trillion dollar company? Um, What else? BlackRock, Blackstone, trillion dollar company. They own everything. And so I was sitting here and I was thinking about how I'm going to buy a condo in Atlanta. And I was like, well, as a business owner, I try not to take too much money out of the business because I want the business to always have cash and have cash flow and income. And I was like, the, I'm not going to buy a condo. You know who's going to buy a condo? Oglesby Holdings is going to buy the condo. Oglesby Holdings has assets on the balance sheet. Oglesby Holdings has consistent cash flow. So now I'm using my financial statements and I'm using all those things to acquire an asset. And so, so many times, and this is why it's kind of frustrating when you get this, this like quote advice from the internet, there's a lot of people that are telling you advice from a W2 perspective. When we talked about this before, where they're saying, oh, um, don't quit your job until you get a house or don't do this because if you have a job, if you have a business, it's going to be tough for you to get financing. It might be tough for you to get financing, but it's not going to be tough for your business to get financing. And so it's just the same thing as where my business can get credit cards that I can't get as an individual, even though I'm the business. And so let's think about what kind of assets we can be acquiring as a business, as opposed to an individual. Let's think about that stuff. That's the play. And another thing that I, I, cause I was having a conversation and I was talking to a brother and they bought a $1.9 million uh, apartment complex. And a lot of us were like, I can never afford a $1.9 million complex because how am I going to get the financing? You don't get the financing, your LLC gets the financing. And so what this intelligent dude did is him and five other dudes created an LLC, the LLC, then applied for financing. And so you get to have the combined cash of the um, the five people. You also get to have the five credit scores of the people. Yep. They're going to give a loan to five people 
that's personal guaranteeing this LLC. And so we got to think and move different. And the reason why this is relevant is because we're going through a situation where my family has older people who have homes that they bought for super cheap. My grandma bought, my grandma paid $40,000 for her house and she still owes a little bit of the mortgage, which is crazy. She paid $40,000 for the house. And I want to say she owes like $8,000 in the mortgage, but homes in her condition, like as is condition in that area are selling for like a hundred thousand dollars, maybe more homes that are fixed up are selling for $400,000, same block right across the street, same exact home. And so we're over here sitting around trying to figure out who's going to buy this house. Well, what are we going to do about the house? What are we going to do about the house? And so I was talking to my cousin and I was like, let's just form a family LLC and the family acquires the house. We can easily acquire that house. You can have me on there, you on there, your mom on there, your dad on there, my dad on there, and we're going to knock this thing out. And the interesting thing about it is that that's how everybody moves. The only people who don't move like that are the people who are still in last place. We're in last place because we don't do what everybody else is doing. They're not out there moving as individuals. And I talk about this all the time. They're moving as a group. They're moving as a unit. Dr. Claude Anderson broke it down for y'all. The reason why we had success in the pandemic and through uh, Trump years is because we work together. And so I say all that to say that your company becomes way more wealthy than you are. And that's a good thing because Elon Musk can apply for financing through Tesla. And he has. Netflix acquires financing that can allow them to grow the business and scale the business. Now, he is a billionaire because he has 10% of Tesla. He doesn't even own that much of Tesla, which is another principle I'm trying to get you mother efforts to understand is you don't got to own everything. You don't got to own 100% of everything. You don't have to. In fact, it's dumb to. And most people who have publicly traded companies do not. If it's a publicly traded company, you're putting most of your shares on the stock market, mm-hmm. not in your pocket. And you keep a percentage, a controlling interest so that you can make sure that you can control the company. You don't get outvoted, but you don't want to own 100 percent. Billionaires don't own 100 percent. Warren Buffett doesn't own 100 percent. Elon Musk, Amazon, they don't own 100 percent. Neither should you. Neither should, neither should you aspire to because it's going to limit your growth unless you start working together. And so I just want people to understand that is. We got to be building something that's going to be worth a billion dollars. Thai capital has to become worth a billion dollars. And it's not going to become worth a billion dollars if it's just me. And so I'm over here like, bro, like I want Henry to be the president of the mastermind. I want him to be the president of the mastermind division. He's bringing great ideas. He's bringing great, great contributions to the table. We're talking about doing an in-person event, kind of like Nehemiah Davis did. And branding the mastermind is this grand thing and not just a meeting. And then mm-hmm. having you be the president of the media and we start to build out these arms that function as their own business. Like you can have a business within a business. That's possible. You guys, right. it's possible to have an arm that just does media, handles its sponsorships, brings in revenue, brings in ad revenue, brings in all kinds of different revenue because start charging people, the guests to come on the show has content coming out. That's the vision y'all. I got a billion dollar vision and I know that I got to, I got to bring in more people to get this billion dollar vision. And so that's my thing is I'm not going to become a billionaire. And the reason why that thought came to me is because I'm trying to figure out how do I become a billionaire? How do I get there? And when you start Mm -hmm. asking yourself how you start looking at people who are billionaires and you start seeing, okay, that's how it's done. And I don't know too many billionaires that are there just because they made a bunch of money unless they're a once in a generation in talent. And guess what? I'm not a once in a generation talent. Mm -hmm. And most of us aren't. There's only one LeBron James in the entire world. There's one LeBron James before them. There is a Michael Jordan. And you know how many people thought they're going to be LeBron James that aren't 99.99.9999999999% of 
Right. So you didn't start, um, you didn't break up the calculator and start calculating your per hour rate and how you <laughs> increase that to get to a billion. Nope. <laughs> no. And you mentioned Warren no, Buffett. I did not. And you're saying like, but that's the, but that's the hack though, Raphael, when you, when you start thinking different, you start realizing it's not about earning. It's not about earning, which is another thing that's important is in in some instances, it's about acquiring things. And so like wealthy people earn money differently. They don't earn it by hour. They look at a deal, they find a deal that makes sense. They acquire that deal. They increase the value of the deal and they make a net worth play. And she start making net worth plays. You don't got to cash out of everything. And so say, for example, you have this house, and I, I was talking about this net worth plays. Grandma's house, eighty thousand. Put seventy into it, and now it's worth four hundred. You just made a quarter million dollars. You're not going to take right. it out, but you just increase your net worth a quarter million dollars. Net worth plays, and then we start playing with bigger numbers. We're looking at companies, and we're looking at larger companies. That's how uh, Robert F. Smith became a billionaire, acquiring companies that were very valuable. Quite honestly, that's how te- Amazon built its business, acquiring companies. That's how Reginald F. Lewis became a billionaire. He acquired a billion dollar company. Right. First you build it, then you acquire you first you build the business, then you acquire other businesses. And that's interesting. Like you said, it's so that's so interesting. Net worth places, where is that? Because people get wrapped, people get caught up in income when they're talking about wealth and it's really not income. Because who knows, no matter how much income you make, who knows what your expenses are like. And you're one person. It's very easy to get into debt. It's very easy to, for one thing to just happen to you. An emergency come along and wipe you out in no, in no time. And then you can't work. It don't matter how much income you, you got. And, and then the cool thing about the net worth plays is you can always leverage your cash. You become your own bank. And that's what a lot of these people do is they, they make a net worth play and then they leverage the equity to do things they want to do because now you're getting income that's tax-free because it's really just a loan against your property. And so then what happens is that property continues to appreciate. And so Janelle Wilson is a, a proponent of this. She buys properties, they appreciate in value. She takes out the cash, cash and uh, tax-free, and then she holds onto it forever and it continues to increase in value. She keeps refinancing out the cash and she's just making money tax-free. Yeah. And people talk about leverage and they just think about borrowing money, but you got to leverage other people and their talents. Absolutely. You're saying like, how much work can you do in 24 hours? Just you. Like, it's like Grant Cardone says, when they ask him how many hours he has in a day, he starts talking about his employees. Mm -hmm. We were at Accelerate 180 conference and the speaker, Amber Aziza said, when I was speaking to her, um, this one-on-one, she said, she doesn't like it when people say, oh, Beyonce has the same 24, you know, Beyonce have the same 24 hours a day. Are you and whoever rich person has the same 24 hours a day? And she's like, no, no, you don't. They got a whole team. A whole team. Beyonce don't do her own hair, her own makeup and all this kind of stuff. She's got a whole team that she leverages their time and their talents. While she's at home, somebody could be on the phone calling, making it de- making deals. Somebody's said you can have multiple pe- people doing multiple deals at the same time. While you're on the beach, while you're in Atlanta with your shades on in the club. You know and I would I would say like that's I have a real time example of why that's important um, and why I want to continue to do more of this is I used to book my own podcast guests. And when my last VA left, I kind of went back to it, booking my own podcast guests. And I was like, this is inefficient use of my time. And so what I did is I brought in an intern, trained her to do it. 
And she just booked the calendar up like crazy. I told her to reach out to 100 people. She reached out to 200 people. We just got episode, 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 episode. I've talked to Other Talks Money, talked to Ariel Carr, talked to Jose Bennett, talked to Julian Gordon, talked to really dope people. But the thing is, because I was able to pawn off that task, I was able to grow the podcast. I pawned off that task, filled up the calendar, and then I created new problems for myself, which is a 10x principle. When you start operating at 10x, you create new problems. My new problem is I need more hosts. So I reached out, got a bunch more hosts, and then specifically got Michelle to co-host, which has added a ton of value. And now we're talking about going on tour. I was able to fly out here, do a bunch of podcasts. And so by me delegating that task, it allowed me to start thinking at a higher level. When I was in the weeds, I couldn't plan a tour. When I was in the weeds, I couldn't come out here and get a better podcast studio. When I was in the weeds, I couldn't 10X my content production. And so now that's my principle. I'm not doing stuff anymore. I'm not doing the menial tasks anymore. Another example of that. And, and so when I realized that when I outsource like that, I can increase the productivity, but I can also start thinking at a higher level. I was like, all right, I need to have somebody create content for me, flyers all the time, getting that stuff out. So I have an intern doing that. And now I need to start chopping up every single podcast episode into micro clips. I'm not doing it, but every single podcast has so many gems that if you don't extract those gems, you're wasting your content. If you take a podcast and you don't turn it into micro clips, why do you even record the podcast? You have the ability to multi-purpose that asset, which is what you created. It's an asset. That podcast episode is an asset. Now we're going to break it down. So now I pawned off that. And so I had somebody send me 10 clips from one episode. Now I got 10 reels that I don't have to go in and I don't have to chop up and I don't have to edit. I don't have to do anything. Now all I got to do is drag and drop. And so now I got an endless bank of TikToks, endless bank of reels that's going to allow me to eclipse a lot of the other people that I don't think are better than me. People who are deemed to have a bigger podcast, but they started way after I did. They've essentially adopted my, my concept. And I don't think they're better than me. And so I'm going to have to get them out the paint because that's what I do. I get folks yeah. out the paint. Ty Billy. Ty Billy, get them out the paint. And you had a tweet where you said, it's not my job to work. It's my job to think. I've said that a long time ago, but I mean, that's just the gym. Um, you can't get, you can't, you can't really build if you're doing work. And that's why I hate work. I don't hate, and that's why I go golf too. I go golf so I don't get in the habit of working and I get in the habit of delegating. So it's like, I need to get away from the office, get from behind that desk because I can work, but I would rather chop up the tasks that I'm doing and have somebody else do them so I can function at a higher level. You have to be functioning at a higher level. And you're thinking when I say that it's not my job to work, my job to think, it's my job to think at a high level. It's my job to think at a billion dollar level. It's my job to think at a boss level because you're thinking even if you're working, but I don't need to be thinking about small tasks. I need to be thinking at higher tasks. That's another reason why I want to bring in people to be the president of this. And then they can start applying their thought to how can we build out this function, Rafael? What creative ways, what innovative ways can we start building this out? So you can start applying your thought to building out that branch of the business. And then Henry can start building out his branch of the business. And then whoever else we have coming out on or in what capacity or whatever we decide to do can start handling that. And so it's my job to think at a CEO level. It's my job to think at a billion dollar level. It's my job to think at a go public level. And that's what I need to do. And I can't do that if I'm in the weeds. And so I got to intentionally get myself out of the weeds. Yeah, man. Now, I wrote this down from the interview you did with Kiwa. I don't remember why I wrote it down. It's, she said, or one of you guys said, big is subjective. I'm trying to remember why I wrote that down. I feel like we talked about this before, but um, the thought came from a few different places. 
And a large part of it is, and I was talking to my mom about this because as I'm starting to kind of build out this content creation agency, which is going to be another function I'm going to need somebody to run, is I'm building out this agency and I'm looking at different potential companies to work with and grow because that's what social media does. It grows your business. And one of the companies is, is the Hawkins restaurant and they do well, but they don't do well enough. They think that they're big, but they're not big enough in this massive world of commerce for you just to be on one block. That's not enough. But more specifically, that's the Kanye um, line where he's talking about like you could be under Jay-Z and still be big. And the reason why I share it is because a lot of people won't ever be under anybody. They're like, no, nah, I'm not going to be under somebody. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And so you'll go out there, you do your own thing. And it might do okay. Or you could be big under somebody big and be massive because I'm going to get them out the paint. But I'm also going to be working for them. So an example of that is Michelle Welch. And I was talking about this, like Michelle came on the team, started adding value immediately. And one of the things that she did is she recorded a podcast when I wasn't able to record the podcast, happily recorded the podcast. And in turn of her being committed to the team, I'm committed to her as well. And so I'm out in Atlanta recording a podcast and I got her face on the screen. So she's getting that exposure. See, people are seeing her as I'm recording all these podcasts, putting all this content out there. And so she gets to grow off of my efforts as well. And that's how it's supposed to work. You grow off my efforts and I grow off of your efforts. But a lot of people won't give you that benefit. They're like, nah, if I'm working, I'm going to benefit off of this. If I'm, if I'm doing this, I'm going to benefit off of this. And a lot of people, the reason why they do that is because they feel like they don't have enough energy to spare. Because they're they're grinding, they're working, and they're not reaching their goals. So they're like, bro, I'm not even reaching my goals off my own talent. Why would I give my talent to you? And that's a mistake. Because what happens is when you give so much, you also have a bunch of people giving back to you. And that's why I utilize it as a strategy. The more that I give to people, the more people are giving to me. The more that I provide value to other people, the more they provide value to me. But a lot of people, they have it mistaken and they want to be selfish. They want to conserve. They want to retain all their information and their energy for themselves. And that's why they never grow. That's why they never grow. And so my thing is, I have so many people who they don't want to be big next to you. They want to be big in spite of you. They don't want to be the VP of something massive. They want to be the, the, the P of something that is not even a thought. And so I'm telling people like you guys have the opportunity of a lifetime to get into this organization at the ground level, because if we get to where we're going and you want to get involved, it's going to be tough to get on that top level. It's going to be tough to be uh, an executive level, anything, unless you have Harvard credentials, this background, this experience, but you have the ability to get in on the ground floor. And a lot of people, they don't want to do that. They rather go out there and compete and build their own. And that's a mistake. So big is subjective because what's big to you might still be small. There's a lot of people out there who think they're doing big time. And then they go to LA and they're like, damn, this ain't no money because LA money is different. People that think they're doing big time because they have, I don't know, maybe a house in Texas. And then I realized like, bro, like you paid a quarter million for that house. There's bigger stuff out there, fam. So I just want people to see the bigger picture and the bigger picture is billions and trillions. And I'd rather somebody be the VP of something that's worth trillions of dollars than somebody who is the P of something that's getting stepped on and not even getting off the ground. We already got steam. We already got a brand. If I, if people know me, they're going to know you. And so it's like, as my brand increases and more people know me, if I go places and I'm, I'm inside of someone like, I know Charles, they know everything associated with me. They don't just know the options course. 
They know the podcast. They know the social media. They know the mastermind. And so people can get the same exposure that I'm getting by being affiliated with me. And that's the gym. That's the bar. Yeah, what you said is key. Um, Getting on the ground floor is a massive, I don't want to say hack, but it's a massive hack, man, because you want to get on the ground floor. Like you said, you could be like an executive on something before it gets big and you get the experience and you get to do so many different things like you go to a, a company that's already massive, like they're going to hire you based on what you've done before and only put you pretty much to that level. Like, were you a manager at the last place? Then you could be a manager here, but you can't be the president because you've never been the president before. Right. And they pigeonhole and- you into that one department and that one skill that you got and you don't grow as much. You can grow, but not as much. And, and that's why I ride around these cities. I was riding around a- Atlanta and I was like, I used to. I used to see dope buildings and want to work in a firm that worked in and that had an office in those buildings. I don't want that anymore. Now what I want, I want a firm that can be in that building. I want my own building because I realized that I can control that and I could never control who would hire me and where that office was. If I saw a location that I desired, I didn't have the option of just saying like, I hope this company hires me because I've done that. I live in Ontario Rancho area. I used to always want to work at a firm in Ontario Rancho area because I didn't want to commute, but it's not a lot of jobs in that area. It's not a lot of firms in that area. So you know what I had to do? I had to build my own firm. And now I'm over here looking at, man, like, what else can I do? How can I solidify this? I was out here and I saw MGR. MGR owns the building that I work out of in Ontario, massive real estate organization, but they're not just a real estate organization. They also have real estate sales. They also have property management. They also have um, development, rental properties, all that stuff. So I'm like, why can't I have that same stuff? Why can I have a real estate sales function of Thai Capital? Why can I have a um, uh, and a financial advising portion of, of Thai Capital? I can and I will because all I need is more stuff to sell. So if I'm selling securities because I have a financial advisor background, I've 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 licensed it as an independent financial advisor. Boom, we got more product to sell, y'all. If I got um, a real estate team that's out there doing real estate sales, boom, I got more product for y'all. And so that's the goal is to really build this thing up into that. Function. We beasted, man. I ain't playing episode shades. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 a huge difference between what you can do as an individual and when you start thinking like an organization. Because mm. you know, people and I'm guilty of this kind of thing. You're trying to do you try to do this thing, you try to do that thing, you you're trying to do multiple things all at once, and you split in so many different ways. You you can't focus on one thing. And people always say you should focus on one thing at least temporarily. Focus on one thing until the bills and then you could, until it gets big and then you could branch into other things. And the thing is with an organization, yeah, you, you focus on that one organization and build it in one, in one area first. But if you want to branch into other things, you don't really have to split your focus so much because you could bring on, you bring on other people. Who focus on that. Who focus on that. And you could have 10 things going. And still be focused on the the whole thing. You just manage the managers. And that's the way I hire now. When I hire people, I give them designated tasks and that's their task for a few reasons, because I want them to be very, very good at that task. And because I want them to be productive at that task and I want to be able to measure their production. So if I have you and I've done this in the past where I've had VAs do everything, stuff doesn't get done. Stuff falls through the cracks, stuff gets forgotten about. And so now it's like, no, your job is to just search for real estate deals. And so every week, multiple times a week, we're getting an update on how are those deals looking? Are we making offers? Are we getting follow-ups? What's that looking like? Boom. I'm only talking to you for that. 
I'm not talking to you about nothing else. Oh, you book podcast guests. All right, cool. We're talking about podcast guests and podcast guests only. And I can quantify whether you've been working or not based on how many podcast guests we're getting booked. Okay, you do social media content. How many posts are you getting done a week? What's the quality of these posts? How are we getting, are those posts getting engagement? Are those posts performing well? Are those posts converting to sales? I can quantify that. And so one of the things that I learned from the book Traction is you have to manage by numbers. So I'm going to give you a number. I'm not just going to give you a concept. I'm going to say, hey, create 500 posts. And then we know whether you worked or not based on did you hit that 500 number? We know whether you worked or not based on whether you're going further that. And so I learned, I had to learn how to manage people. I had to learn how to hire people. I had to learn how to delegate tasks. And that's a part of it. But you're right. Like you can take on more, but you just got to, you have to designate somebody to run that division. And that's what's important. And they report to you and you talk about high level stuff, not low level stuff. They can talk about low level stuff with their team. And that's another thing that I learned. I don't want to manage people. I want to manage managers. And so my goal is to bring in managers and then hire people. I don't want to be hiring a bunch of people because I'm just going to go crazy trying to manage all these tasks. Now you have somebody whose responsibility is to manage the manager, manage the employees and you just manage your managers. And managing managers is much easier than managing people. I mean, people might, if you listen to this, you might not know what the difference is, but it's like, I remember a few years ago, a few years ago, my job, you know, I was at a leadership position, but it was like the first, I was at the bottom level of leadership. And one guy who was like maybe two levels above me was talking to a group of us. And he said, you guys have the hardest jobs in the building. And I didn't understand at first, but he was like, you got to think about it. Like, you guys work with the people who are the like the basic level, the entry level people. And then above you is like supervisors, their managers. If you're a manager and you're managing and you're working with supervisors, like you are you're working with people who've already shown that they have initiative, they have talent, that they're good workers, or you're working with people that you already know are good. Mm-hmm. When you're managing people at the, the base level, you gotta sift through them. Who's good, who's just there for a check, who's just there to just um, show their probation officer that they got a legal job, all these kind of things. So it's rough dealing with the base level workers, man. Managing managers is where it's at because these people already shown they know how to get things done. So it's easy mm-hmm. to just tell them, get it done. I don't care how you get it done, but get it done. And that's it. Now to shift gears a little bit, I think people don't understand this concept, especially black folks, because we we so behind in the race and we new to this thing building wealth, like you, you, you were talking about family homes earlier. And you had a tweet where you said, the longer you stay in a home, the cheaper your mortgage becomes as your income grows. Bro, you, I know what happened. I know what happened. You know, you know what's going on. My hype fury is firing off my old fire tweets. And so you're seeing my old tweets. Cause I'm like, bro, I've, I've been tweeting my butt off. I've tweeted some really good <laughs> stuff. I thought you're going to be bringing those, but I guess you're just seeing my old stuff. So we're going to talk about that again, but one of the reasons my uncle is a millionaire is because he bought a house and he stayed in that house. But what was interesting is when he first moved into that house, he was very overwhelmed with the mortgage. He was like, man, my mortgage is $1,100. How am I going to pay $1,100? And over the years, he's increased his income. He's increased his investments. He paid off that mortgage early. He just chunked it out like crazy because he was just making more and more money. And so what's cool about real estate and what's cool about owning a property is you qualify for your mortgage at that moment in time but you'll never be that same person again. So the person that I was two years ago when I qualified for the mortgage in five years, I'm going to be so much bigger of a person, but my mortgage is still fixed 
at who I was at 33. And I think that's really cool because as long as you don't do anything foolish, like refinance or um, take out money to do dumb stuff, then what's going to happen is, let's say, for example, your mortgage is $2,000 and you bring in $6,000 a month. And then five years later, you're bringing in $12,000 a month. Well, your mortgage is still $2,000. And so what happens? Now you have excess money to both live and invest. And so the real strategy is to be content. And a lot of y'all ain't content, man. A lot of y'all are not content. And so people, what they do is they'll get a house and then they'll upgrade their house. Or they'll get a house and they'll want to get a boat. So they'll refinance their house so they can get a boat. Or they'll get a house and they will pull out a HELOC to take a vacation or something stupid. When the real play is contentment. Because another thing that I've realized is not only do your does your income grow, but your investments grow as well. And so the strategy that I implemented to pay my mortgage is I bought a bunch of dividend paying stocks. Those dividend paying stocks at one point in time were paying half what they pay now because I bought them at a discount during COVID when they reduced the dividend and every single quarter they've increased the dividend. And so what's happened now, my, my dividends more than pay for my mortgage. At first, they were just supplementing it. At first, they were just paying uh, the majority of it, but now they pay all of it. And so I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. Let me get more of this stuff. And so that's one of the things we did to pay for my son's school is bought a bunch of dividend paying stock. And you really start to become your own bank because having cash allows you to actually have access to more leverage and you can leverage that money to create more money and you can actually be kind of safe with it. And so, for example, of course, the most recent play that I did, which is IEP, love it or hate it, 15, 15% dividend. I got a loan at 3%. And I bought $150,000 worth of IEP at 3%. It pays me 15%. That means I get 12% for nothing. 12% of $150,000 per year is about 20 grand. So I get myself a $20,000 increase using the bank's money, using OPM. And I still got more to go. I'm like, what else can we do? What else can we create? What else can we leverage? And so my, my next thing is I'm over here like, bruh, it makes too much sense if I can get an opportunity like this, where if I can buy the house for 80, put 70 into it and it's worth 40, why wouldn't I get a loan and do the same exact thing? So get a loan, put that 150 into it, cash out. Now you got a property for nothing. You just literally created money. You create money. Wealthy people do not work for money. The rich chapter one is the rich don't work for money. Yeah. That's the first lesson, right? The first lesson. The very first lesson, man. Shout out to the hearts in the chat. And I'm on Instagram live too, but I got you. They can actually hear you because it's not in the headphones. So they can hear both sides of the conversation. I was going to tell you, you should go on live too and just turn it both on mute, but that might create some feedback because sometimes it won't let you go all the way mute. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We'll try it another time. Another time. All Man, content that, matters. That dividend play is, is, is crazy. Um, I guess that's where you had a tweet where you said create permanent income. Growth is cool, but owning shares that pay no matter the price is invaluable. Right. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Because, huh? No, go ahead. I realized that when the stock market was tanking, the stock market was going down, but my dividend check stayed the same. And I was like, that's crazy. The dividend check didn't go down. The stock went down, the value went down, but the dividend was, was the same. 
And I thought that was dope. And then I also thought that it was dope that the play that I put together to pay for my son's education is forever. Like it don't stop unless the company goes bankrupt. And Carl Icon, yeah. I don't think it's going bankrupt. And so I thought that was so cool because imagine if you have this source of income established for your son and it pays for all his education and then it pays for all his college and then it can supplement his income when he's out there working. Because I don't believe that I don't believe our kids should be starting from nothing, man. My uh, my cousin is dating this girl and her father is very successful, very wealthy. And he bought a bunch of condos in Atlanta and she lives in one of them for free. Mm. Just be living nice apartment in, in, in Buckhead. We don't do that. We don't do that. We definitely don't do it for our sons. They'll do it for your daughter. But I'm going to be the person that break the mold. I'm going to do it for my son. My son is going to live as well as you guys allow your daughters to live so she could be flexing on him talking about you broke. Look at you broke bees because my son balling because I put him <laughs> in play. or he's going to at least be at that level. So y'all can't call him broke because I'm not going to let y'all call. No, because I've I've experienced it, man. I've experienced. It's funny. I'm riding around in a car right now that I paid for that. I remember I never forget when I was in college. Um there is a girl and her mama bought her like a BMW four series. And she thought she was just balling, but her mom bought her that car. And so it's like, I've been able to grind up and get the things that I've watched other people get given. And I've always had that chip on my shoulder. Cause I've always seen other people get given the things that I wanted, but their mentality changed. They started thinking they earned it. They started thinking that they, they had the merit behind that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get in the lab. All right. I'm going to work weekends. All right. I'm going to build this business. And then you get to the point where now, you're on that same level, but you earned it. But I want my I don't want my son to have to earn it, man. I want him just to get it through passing it to him, like Dame Dash told me. Yeah, it's passed down to your son. Now, I saw you retweet this tweet from Lamar Tyler. It says, instead of begging for respect, create an economic engine that demands it. Man, I've been saying that for years. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. That's my that. That's why when I saw it, I was like, I had to share it. I clicked like on the person who posted it because Marquise Robinson, he's the one who put it on his stories. And I was like, I've been saying this. Yeah. Raphael, that's been my premise the whole time. I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to give me no jobs. I don't need no seat at the table. I was recording a podcast with Julian Gordon and my cousin came to the podcast studio and he didn't sit in the audience. He sat at the desk and I saw that somebody took a picture and I was like, it's dope that I created this platform that gets somebody who's at that level, millionaire, owns 40 units, impacting the country. And my son and my uh, my cousin gets to sit at the table alongside with us. I was like, that's what it's about, fam. That's what it's about. It's about everybody benefiting, not just you. And you got a good job, you're going to benefit, but not everybody else. And I forgot what the premise of that tweet. Oh, so you create these engines where, and it's not even about getting the respect. It's about you can respect it. You could not respect it. There's a reason why Asians don't care who the president is. Jews do not care who the president is. They got their own economic engine. They got their own infrastructure. They got their own banks. They got their own schools. They got their own churches. They got their own communities. They got their own police force. All the stuff I've been telling us that we need to get and we can build, they already got it. So they don't care what Joe Biden's doing. And neither should we. We should not be that invested in what they're doing because quite honestly, they have their own too. And we've had our own before and we can have our own again, but we got to actually understand what we're looking at. The problem is we don't even know what we're looking at. We don't even know we're in a bad situation. We don't even know that we've really never, act, not actually improved. We're probably worse. You look at all the stats from the sixties, we've gotten worse. And so we do need to create it. But the tweet said, demand respect. I don't need their respect, man. I respect me. And I think self-respect and self-esteem 
is way more important than the esteem that you get from others. And that's why my Twitter and my Instagram is what it is, because I don't care what y'all think. You could like it or you could not like it, but I'm still post what I got to post. Yeah, man, this is what we need to be doing. And it's funny, for some reason, it made me think of this story that came out a little while ago about how Major League Soccer um, lined up a, a loan for $25 million from a, a syndicate of black banks. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, they they purposely went out to borrow money from black banks. And I sent the story to, J- to Jamal Vitos, aka the culture's banker. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, it is cool. It's a little sad, though, that it said it was a syndicate of black banks and the loan was twenty five million dollars. And I was like, maybe it's I would like to think is that it's because, you know, they want to spread the love around several banks. But I was thinking, is it because the black banks like no one black bank could afford to lend twenty five million? And I hope that wasn't the case. But it's like, man, I don't know, man. At least it's something. My um my cousin was telling me about how at Clemson they have this card for donors. You get a card if you donate a hundred thousand dollars a year. And all these folks walk around proud that they got their Clemson card. And I thought that was amazing because you can't get nobody to donate to an HBCU. You act like you're pulling teeth. And a part of it, I saw something that said, like, I'm not sure if HBCUs are just creating like acceptable Negroes, people who are able to assimilate into other cultures instead of actually people who are empowered to build their own. I don't know if that's true or not. I can't say. But one thing that I will say is that we ain't going to get there working for them. Jeremy Johnson says all the time, like, you can't build wealth working for people. You can't build wealth working, helping somebody else build wealth. He says it's something like that, something way more articulate than that. But it's the truth, man. Like, the reason why they're there, you don't donate $100,000 a year if you're making $100,000 a year. So all you six-figure right. N-words bragging about your six-figure salary, you ain't doing $100,000 a year. If you are donating $100,000 a year, you're probably making $20 million a year. And there's people that make $20 million a year, but they don't brag about their one restaurant that they got. They brag about their chain of restaurants that they got. And they have mm-hmm. chain mentality. You got to have chain mentality. And a lot of people don't have chain mentality because it does take a lot of work to get that one off the ground. A lot of thought goes into that. A lot of creativity goes into that, creating your systems, all that stuff. It's a lot of thought. But then you have somebody like me who... It's like Howard Schultz. You pop up and you're like, I see what you got here. You have something great. Let me take it nationwide. That's what Howard Schultz did with Starbucks. He saw they had something great. He pitched them an offer to buy the company. They said no at first. And then ultimately they agreed. And he took that company, he expanded it. The same thing that Elon Musk did with Tesla. The same thing that Elon Musk did with SpaceX. Elon Musk don't invent nothing. Mm-hmm. He acquires it and he expands it. Elon Musk acquires companies and expands it. Um, I want to say that he did the same thing with PayPal which wasn't even PayPal. It was another company that they merged together with other billionaires and became even bigger billionaires. But yeah, that's what I got to say about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to invest more into our own. We got to put more into our own. Shout out to the hearts, y'all. Keep the hearts going. It's inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's like... Hold on. I got to tell you, I got pulled over by the cops. I saw your tweet. Man, I got pulled over by the cops and... It was a, a very unique experience because as I've been out, I've been realizing like most cops out here are black. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It's like, it's very comforting when the cops are black, you know? <laughs> and they don't uh, see, they don't see you as, well, they don't see you as that. And they also can make the distinction. Right. Other, other black people can make the distinction between black people who are doing something positive and black people who ain't about shit. But non-black people just lump you all together and it's like you just black so 
either you gonna rob me or you think about robbing me but <laughs> and so anyway he let me go with the warning and i was very happy to get that warning because i've never gotten a warning from a cop before um welcome to atlanta where the players play <laughs> you said uh broke people move rich people have a summer home everybody keeps asking me if i'm moving to atlanta and uh, i don't know how to answer that question because I'm not leaving California. And to a certain extent, I feel like you have to have one foot in California and one foot in Georgia to benefit from that because it gives you like this arbitrage. I don't want to fully commit to Atlanta, but I do want to have one foot in Atlanta. And one of the one of the coolest things that I was talking, I was there's a book by Don Peebles. And I think I shared this and he was talking about how like when you're a real estate investor, you get to have homes in different places. Robert Smith lives in, in Los Angeles. Why? Because he's building a project in Los Angeles. Robert Smith lives in New York because he's building a project in New York. He lives in D.C. He has a project in D.C. He has a house in Florida because he has projects in Florida. And so it's like a different mentality. And I was trying to explain this to my mom, how we've been conditioned to think that we got to live on a plantation. But my plantation is my phone. So therefore, I get to be wherever I need to be. And you can't explain that to somebody. You can't explain that you would have a home in two different places to somebody who can't even fathom the idea because they got to be close to their job. They got to be close to Massa. I don't got a Massa. So therefore I get to be where I got to be. And so the thing is, is it's not a matter of, am I moving? We got to recondition our mind. It's like, no, it's got multiple homes, fam. And you start looking at wealthy people, like they got multiple homes. That's a thing. I know people who have multiple homes in the same city. Al, the family office I used to work for, the coolest thing, this is why exposure matters and why the only reason why I believe in working jobs is to get exposed. And so what Al did is they did a lot of loans. And when you do a lot of loans, you get to foreclose on different properties. That's their strategy. They give you a loan, they foreclose a loan, they get to get take your property for pennies. But in China. Okay. Good. Right. Exactly. Just like the China strategy. Loan to own is what they call it. Loan to own. They give you the loan, they make those rates fair but difficult. And they're like, dang, where you, why aren't you making payments on this 12% loan, fam? Like, cause it's 12% fool. And so, um, they, uh, so they both have homes in Irvine. Irvine is a very wealthy area and the property values million dollars plus probably double that now. And they also have a home, a family home in Balboa beach, right off of the water. And I thought that was so fire that they have a weekend home, not even a summer home, a weekend <laughs> home. So the wife, she's like, oh, I'm going to the weekend home because we're going to go by the water for the weekend. But now we're close to work while we're working. And so, again, we're so anxious to, just to get one home. We can't even fathom the idea of having multiple homes. But that's the thing. And we're going to live it. And there's a lot of people. That's just the way they live. They got a summer home. And so I don't know if I can call Atlanta my summer home. Maybe it's my summer home because I could take my son and we can like come out here for the summer and whatnot. But that's the thing. It's not. Am I moving? It's not, am I leaving California? It's where else do I live? Where else do I have a camp? Where else do I have a base in these different mm -hmm. areas? Because I have a different business in those different areas. I hear you. I hear you. Gotta think bigger. Think bigger. Because like I said, the quadrant matters more than the profession. So I was riding around and getting it. And I was looking at all these buildings with different firm names on it. And I was like, you can be a lawyer or you can own a law firm or you can own an investment company, a finance company and make more money than somebody who's a, who's a lawyer. And a lot of people think that it's the career that matters. It's the profession that matters. It's the title that matters. And that's not the case. It's the quadrant that you're in. 
are you, do you own a law firm or are you a lawyer? Do you own an investment company or do you work for an investment company? Like that matters so much so that you can be a plumber that owns a plumbing company and be a millionaire. Meanwhile, there's somebody who's a lawyer who brags about being a lawyer and they make 250, make 200. And so that's what I'm realizing is like, I've always known this, but sometimes I got to tweet stuff to remind myself what I know. I do that a lot. Like I'll tweet something. I'll be like, yeah, I know that. And so as you're out here and you want to be, you want to have a prestigious company, you want to have a prestigious name, you want to have a prestigious line of business, like own it, build your own firm, put your own name on the window. That's what matters. Not, are you getting a job at this company? Are they hiring? Do they like you? Are they giving you a seat at their table? It's like, no, I got my own table. We don't need to see the table because you're building yours. We're building our own. It's going to be very difficult to even rise up in the ranks of that level going through somebody else's uh, food chain. You got to build your own food chain. So that's kind of my thought there. Yeah, man. The quadrant matters. The thing is, a lot of things that, like little things that we worry about is just so different, different quadrants, meaning like tax day is upon us. In fact, tax day is tomorrow. Tax deadline is tomorrow. Taxes are the devil. Taxes are the devil. But it's different in the different quadrants. Like when you're just an employee, you're thinking about, man, all these taxes, they ain't take it out of my check. People are saying, I do all this overtime. You take all this extra taxes out of my check. Then they're looking for big refunds. They're trying to see what they can do, whose kids they can claim, all this kind of stuff to try to get a big refund. And it's all different when you're a business owner. You might still complain about the taxes. We got a whole lot more leeway when you're in a different quadrant. You get taxed at different rates. If you're an investor in long term, in long term plays, you got a business, you can buy stuff first and then pay taxes instead of paying taxes and then buying stuff. It's just it's a whole other ball game that we all we just starting to discover now. And it's cool to see people discovering it. Yeah. Tax is still the devil though, fam. <laughs> but I'm getting good at this stuff though. My first year, like really, really crushing it. I was concerned about, and I'm actually, I'm glad we're talking about this. I was concerned about making estimated tax payments. So when you own your own business, every quarter, you have to make estimated tax payments. And I saw Billion Dollar B post that the reason why he didn't like making estimated tax payments is that if you overpay, you don't get that money back. And so I'm over here thinking like, oh, I'll just wait until I figure out what I really owe and then I'll pay so I don't lose money. That's not true. If you overpay on your taxes, just like if you overpay your taxes, if you're an individual, you can get a refund. You're only liable for what you owe. So if you make estimated tax payments and you overpay, guess what happens? You get a check. Ideally, you don't overpay, but if you happen to overpay, you get that money back. And so you got to be really careful about the information that you take in on social media, because some of these folks don't know what the heck they're talking about. They're giving you partial information. They're giving information that they're not an expert on. They just heard it from their accountant who might not be that good of an accountant. And now they're going over here telling you stuff. You think because they call themselves billionaire B that they got all the answers. They don't got all the answers. They got the answers, Sway. They've been doing the education. They've been doing the education. I've been doing this more than you. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. And so another thing that I wanted to touch on is that you don't just need an accountant. You don't just need a lawyer. You need a team of accountants. You need a team of lawyers. I want a team. I want my accountants to talk to other accountants. I want my lawyers to talk to other lawyers because now you're getting a very, very solid answer. And so I had that thought because I was talking to Carter Cofield and he was talking about all these different tax strategies. And my mom 
when I told him that my, I told my mom I wanted to hire Carter, she was like, oh, well, you got me. I was like, I got both of y'all. I need as many accountants as I could get. I need as many lawyers as I can get because we got to make sure we tight. And that's not a bad thing. That's a boss thing. Like bosses have teams, teams of teams. That's so funny you brought that up. I'm glad you brought it up too. When you're talking about getting advice on the in, on the internet. And I saw a reel. It was from Carter Cofield too. He had a reel and I sent it to um to Marjorie. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about getting like tax, getting a tax deduction for it was basically about buying clothes. So she she was laughing. She thought it was making a joke about, you know, the white suit at the party, the whole thing. She we always joke about that. I was like, no, 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 that's not why I sent it to you. I figured maybe it was something you've never seen before or whatever. So I sent it to you just to, so you could see and decide for yourself whether you think it's legitimate or not. And mm-hmm. if it's legitimate, then it's kind of like you get to see something that you maybe, maybe you never seen before or thought about before. And you could decide whether or not you want to add it to your repertoire or recommend it to somebody else or not. That's all it was, mm-hmm. you know? And then I, but then I started thinking like there's some people seeing some stuff out there who are not, even accountants like Kofi, yeah. he's like a CPA. I don't know if he's a CPA. He's definitely an accountant. I think he's a CPA. I think he's a CPA, right? But then we see other people taking advice from like CPAs and like kind of like watering it down. And then you know we talk about the, it's a G wagon, not a free wagon, stuff like that. And I had, I tweeted I was like people don't realize that a write off means you're spending a dollar to save a quarter. Mm. Like mm. you talking about it's a write off, it's a write off, it's a write off. Mm. But you got to pay money out to get the write-off. And it doesn't mean that, I don't know what people think it means. I, You know, the reason why I hate taxes is because I like to keep my money. Right. And so I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, yeah, I had to buy a bunch of things to reduce my taxes. I was like, uh, I kind of like my money. I would rather just pay the taxes and keep my money and invest my money and then make money on my money than spend it all and be broke but not pay taxes. Right. It's like hustling backwards. I don't want to be broke and I don't want my business to be broke. So I'd rather pay taxes or at least intelligently find ways to reduce them through like depreciation or other things that are like a non-cash expense. So for those that don't know, I want to say like depreciation, amortization or non-cash expenses that allow you to reduce your taxable income. And that's why like when you're analyzing a company, you look at the EBITDA, you look at the earnings before interest taxes and amortization because if you look at the net income, that doesn't factor in the taxes and amortization. And with that, you see the true value of the company because those things aren't real cash. So you want to look at the real cash, not the net cash, which is going to show you like, yeah, they might have wrote off that they depreciated a G-Wagon $100,000 a year. So now that's showing any net income when really they actually did make income, but you need to see that. And I want to say that's called seller's discretionary income, SDE. This is why reading is fundamental, man. I got to get back on it. Because when you don't read, you be dumb. You just be on. The, when you don't read, you start taking Twitter advice. When you don't read, you start just listening to anything they put on a reel. And there's some stuff on reels. Man, I saw something on a reel and they were talking to some crazy stuff. I was like, eh. somebody was talking about using business credit to pay your student loans and then going bankrupt on the LLC. I was like, don't do that, y'all. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. That credit stuff is tricky, man. Y'all better, y'all better chill. Listen to that credit advice, man. I got solid advice when it comes to this stuff because I just be telling you to do the work. My advice is do the work and grind. All those shortcuts, don't take the shortcuts. Grind. It will take you somewhere you don't want to go, man. Forget that stuff. Shoot. Now, you 
You said something interesting. You said in order to, I don't remember if you talked about this before. Well, you probably talked about it in some kind of capacity, but you had a tweet where you said in order to gain followers, you have to be willing to lose followers. <laughs> um, this is this is a gem for you guys. And I have a I I, I struggle doing this in person. In person, I'm kind of mellow and I go with the flow and I don't want to rough the waters and I kind of just let people do what they want to do online because I get a chance to tell my side of the story without having to listen to you interrupt to really care about your opinion. Y'all get me. And a part of that is that in order to gain followers, you got to tweet and share your truth. In order to gain Instagram followers, you got to share your truth. And what's going to happen when you're sharing your truth is you're going to piss off 50% of the people out there. But you know what's going to happen to the other 50%? They're going to love you to death. But you can't even get the 50% that love you because you never share anything that actually like could piss somebody off. And so you got to be willing to piss some people off to grow. You got to be willing to piss some people off to take your account to another level because there's people who are going to disagree with anything. And there's going to be people who disagree with like valid stuff. I said, um, there was somebody that I was talking to and um, what was it? I just got taken. I got, I got confused. I was looking at the, um, the comments, but what was I going to say? Oh, basically you're going to find the people that are your loyal fans. You got to find your loyal fans. You're going to get that by being authentically you. And I think that's a part of it is being authentically you. And there's a lot of people who they just want to fit in and you don't make no money fitting in. You don't make no money being like everybody else. One of the reasons why Kanye stays relevant is he's not the old Kanye. Everybody's like, I like the old Kanye, the old Kanye. You can't be the old Kanye and still be relevant. And so Kanye has to switch it up. He has to change it up because your uniqueness is what makes you valuable. If you're just like everybody else, you become a commodity. And so, yeah, he's going to make a rock album. Yeah, he's going to make a gospel album. Yeah, he's going to make an album and switch it up and do something completely different. Because that's how you still stay relevant. That's how you stay um, like noticeable. Like even like a lot of the trap artists, like you don't really know who is who. They just all kind of blend in. There's just a bunch of folks, Kodak Black and whatever, and they all sound the same. They all make the same music, but everybody knows Kanye. Everybody can't wait to listen to the next Kanye album. Everybody can't wait to listen to that stuff because it's different. It's unique. And I think that matters in business. And that was one of the things that Jose was talking about is he was like, you got to niche down. You got to find your niche. If you're creating a course, if you're creating a product, it can't be like what everybody else is putting out there. You can't say, oh, they're making money selling real estate courses. So I got a real estate course. And that's what I learned maybe the hard way. Because and we do that a lot in business where we see somebody else successful in a space and we think that's the space to go. Everybody starts wanting to be a rapper. Everybody wants to be a basketball player, basketball player those, those things. And those are going to be the people that are competing for scraps. You're in a red ocean at that point. I don't want to be in a red ocean. I want to be in a blue ocean. Blue oceans are where you're unique, where you're truly yourself and where you're willing to not even have the supporter of people who want real estate courses. But you know what's going to happen is you're going to find a bunch of people who want stock market courses or options courses or courses that are unique, Turo courses, vending courses. The people that find success are the people who are teaching you what nobody else is teaching you because now you don't got to compete. You don't got to compete on price. You don't got to compete to be that next man. You don't got to compete for eyeballs. You don't got to compete for customers. You don't got to compete with workers. You have your own lane. You've carved out your own lane. So you got to niche down, be unique, and that's just going to allow you to get all the customers, even if they already bought real estate courses. Now they only got one spot to buy options courses. Yeah, I, I don't want to be over here competing amongst the real estate people. I'm over here doing my thing. You can come to me. Yeah, man. Now, this next tweet that you had, 
think this is the last one I got. I think I'm pretty sure I think I know what it, what it means. You said what grows you up won't blow you up. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Um, I was talking about, and this is really important, and I think I got this from Kiba Richardson in my thought, and I built my brand giving. I built the foundation of Todd Capital by giving, giving value, giving information, working for other people for free, showing up to other people's stuff for free just giving, giving, giving. And that grew me, but I didn't blow up until I did something different. And so I share that because there's a lot of people that are holding on to stuff and they haven't either grown or blown. They're just there with an idea. And so you got to start releasing different things and putting it out there for you. It might be that podcast course, but what's going to happen is you're going to start gaining a, a name as somebody who's a resource to people. And then once you pop out with whatever it might be, you already have that large following, that tribe, that group of people who have done business with you, people who have worked with you, who know that you handle business, they know that you're going to do stuff. And now you're going to step into whatever is going to blow you up. And so there's two different phases of this. And I think a lot of people try to skip it and just go straight to high ticket or go straight to whatever. And I don't know if that works. That's not how I would recommend it work. I was at the podcast studio and their rates are very, very reasonable. And I, and I was like, man, they're probably going to try to raise their rates like Netflix because everybody that I've told <laughs> how much I was charging, how much they're charging me, like they're like, oh, man, like that's a good deal. And so when I was at the studio the second day, I was like, hey, you guys are going to raise your rates, are you? He's like, of course, we're going to raise our rates. And I was like, damn. But they have memberships. So if you get a membership, I think that's what they want to push you to. They're going to raise their rates mm-hmm. and they're going to want to push you to a membership. They can get the recurring revenue. But that's a, st- a typical business model. You only really see that the opposite way with uh, Tesla. And I think he had to do it that way because car companies are a little bit different, whereas technology companies are a little bit easier. But we've seen with Amazon, we've seen it with Netflix, we've seen it with any new company that goes to market, what they do is they come in low to gain market share. And you got to give value to gain market share. You got to give value to gain customers, to gain people that are in your atmosphere, in your universe. You need people to come into your universe. You're going to get there by giving, by doing different things, by giving what you got right now. And then what you are going to understand is that you're going to grow, you're going to improve. So just like we were talking about, you're going to be better five years from now based off your mortgage. You're also going to be better five years from now in terms of your business. And so the stuff that I'm talking about now, I probably wasn't talking about five years ago. If I was talking about two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, I'm talking about something way different now. And I, I tell people that to release them from the fear of releasing things. And a lot of people are afraid to release things for a few reasons. They think they're going to give, give away all their sauce and they aren't. They think they're going to um, become like invaluable or unvaluable, and they aren't. And I was telling my mom this. I was like, a lot of people think that by teaching other people to do what you do, that you become less valuable when it's actually the opposite. When you teach people to do what you do, you become more valuable. So you bring people on your team and you teach them how to create content. Now you become more valuable because now what are you doing? Now you got 100 clients. I'd rather you have 100 clients and 10 employees than 10 clients and no employees because 10 clients ain't enough. You don't become, and, and when you have a hundred employees, 
Now you can go wherever you go in the country and people are going to know your name. And so you're going to grow bigger by actually giving away your sauce. We talk about, I am the sauce, give away the sauce, teach the sauce, put somebody else on the sauce. There's a brother who's a millionaire barber and he ain't a millionaire because he cuts hair. He's a millionaire because he taught people how to open up barber schools. He opened up a barber school. So instead of being a barber, he's teaching people how to be barbers. And then he took it a next step. And now he's teaching people who want to open up their own barber school how to open their own barber school. That's the sauce. That's the game. Give away what you know. Give away your game and start focusing on higher level stuff. Because again, you can't make no money cutting hair. You can't make no money behind a chair. You can't make any money mowing lines. You're going to make money teaching somebody else how to mow a lawn. And then you go scale up and you start getting contracts and then you take it another step and you start hiring somebody to go get your contracts because you can teach them how to get contracts. You can teach somebody how to market for podcast guests. You can teach somebody how to get sponsorships and get leads and get ads and do all that stuff. Your knowledge is invaluable, but you got to scale up. You got to get out of the actual work. And this is just the theme of this whole show is you can't grow unless you teach somebody what you do. And so that's one of the things I was trying to tell them. And a lot of barbers hold on to that. A lot of people prepare taxes. They hold on to that. They're like, no, I'm not teaching nobody how to prepare taxes because that's my sauce. That's not your sauce. Give your sauce away and you're going to grow. You're going to become better and bigger. There's people who I know who have even the restaurant. The reason why they don't grow is because they don't want nobody in the kitchen but them. They don't want anybody to know their recipes. Right. They want to keep all that information to themselves. And they're, they're, they're shrinking themselves because they're, they're, it's selfishness. It's like this, a hand. It's like Dave Ramsey always says, you have your hand crasped around your stuff, your sauce. And you can't let any more stuff in because it's crasped around here. When you're selfish, nothing can go. If God can't trust you to give, he's not going to give you more. And so a lot of people are holding on to what they have. And so they're not getting more. And Julian Gordon speaked on this. If you take your talents and you hide them, he's going to take his talent away from you. He wants you to take your talent and go put it out into the market and bring in more. And you know what happened when that person took his talent and took it to market and multiplied it? He gave him more talent. And that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Whatever you give to to grow your brand, you're going to get more talent on top of that. More talent. Yeah, you might be the podcast guy now, but what's going to happen once you grow a a successful podcast coaching company or a successful podcast, whatever. Now you got a podcast studio. Now you got a podcast network. Now you got a podcast this but you're holding on to what's going to grow you and you never can get to what's going to blow you. Pause. Man, Tweet Talk be hidden, man. Sure. Pastor Millie, Pastor Shades. The Dr. Seuss of Black Wealth. (laughs) Say you can't get rich cutting hair, can't get rich behind a chair. (laughs) It's funny because (laughs) you made me think of this, this barber, that I started following on YouTube. I don't follow me. I don't pay attention to it anymore. But during the pandemic, there's a barber I came across and he was building his platform because it's funny. He started teaching how to cut your hair yourself mm-hmm. and do it well. Mm-hmm. Multiple mirrors set up how to do it. Now, think about that. You could you could think to yourself, what if as a barber, why would I teach people how to cut their own hair? Mm-hmm. Then they'll feel like they don't need me. Right. And that's the thought, but that's the, that's the general line of thinking. But the, but the thing is this with a YouTube channel and with, and you got a YouTube channel and you combine that with a course online that people can access across the world. Like if you cut hair in California, no matter how good you are 
Ain't nobody in New York coming to you to get just get a haircut twice right. a month. You could you'd be taking other people's clients at that point. Right. But yeah. Because like, now because and, and see, that's the that's what I was trying to explain to that individual is like you don't get to millions unless you scale. You don't get to billions unless you really scale. And you can't cut all the heads in the country. But you know what you can do? You can teach all the people in the country how to cut their own hair and all those. And, and, and that's why I'm, I'm willing to sell my products at affordable prices, because think about this. If you can get 40 bucks from somebody who would never give you any money, are you 40 bucks richer? I think so, because they weren't going to give you any money anyway. Right. So now I at least got some money from somebody who wasn't going to give me any money. I like that. And now I just got to multiply it, multiply it, multiply it. And that's really important because a lot of people, they're like, I got to be particular about my customer. Now, the, the real thinking is you got to have tiers to this. So it can't it shouldn't just be affordable. You should have levels to it. It's affordable. And then we got higher ticket, higher ticket, higher ticket, more access, more access, more access. But I would rather get a dollar from somebody who wasn't going to give me any money than get nothing. Yeah. And in that example, what people don't even realize is that. You know, people might say, well, yeah, when you put it that way, getting $40 from somebody who's never going to give me any money, that's cool. But if you do it right, or even if you don't, you don't even necessarily have to do it right, per se. But if those you do it, that $40 isn't really $40. Because that $40 is, first of all, you get an introduction to this person. Now, this person knows who you are. Mm-hmm. You come with another product that got cost $40, that's another $40. Right. If you really give them value for that $40, they tell somebody else, they tell their friend, like, yo, you gotta get this course for forty dollars, or this product for forty dollars, or whatever it is. Right. So he's getting you customers. He's a repeat customer if you come with something else. You keep serving them; they keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So that forty dollars multiplied, then you take that for you take that forty dollars and you put it somewhere else. You don't just take the forty dollars and spend it. No, we don't spend money. Put that forty dollars buy some dividend stocks, or you, or most likely you put it back into the same company that provided the, the value for the person that too and you build it put that forty dollars with forty dollars from here forty dollars from there this forty dollars adds up to you put it in a building i would argue that some of the best companies in the world have the most affordable products like we all like dior and fendi and louis but there's a reason why they all operate under one company lvmh because they probably can't afford to, to stay in business alone they need economies of scale. They need to be working as a group because if they were all standalones, they'd probably all be bankrupt because they don't have that many customers. They might have customers that spend a lot of money, right. but they don't have a lot of customers. And so those companies aren't the largest companies. If you look at the value of Ferrari, and I'm going to look at that right now, the value of Ferrari versus the value of like Toyota. Yeah. Let's find out. What does Robin Hood say? Damn. Yeah. And it's like... We- you talk you talk about Ford sometimes. That's, that's how Ford became Ford became um a massive company. Speak on it, Raphael. I mean Speak on it. There were so many different car companies across America before Ford came along. And what made them different? He just decided he was gonna make the car affordable for the masses. He didn't invent the car, he made the car affordable. And that's why he became the wealthiest car. That's why they think of him when they think about cars. He didn't create the car. Mercedes created the car. And like there were all these people like Chevrolet, all these people, 
He came around and crushed it because he decided he had one thing in mind. I'm going to make this affordable to the masses. And then he figured out how to do it. Ferrari is a $57 billion company, which isn't that big. Ferrari is a 50. There's people who are worth more than Ferrari. $57 (laughs) billion company, right? Toyota is a $276 billion company. They're five times as big as Ferrari. Five times as big, but y'all want to be Ferrari. Y'all want y'all products to be Ferrari. The funny thing is, Toyota also owns Scion and Lexus. Which is a play. They got a value chain. They got a value ladder like we've been talking about. Even the even the greats got value ladders. The greats ain't just high ticket. Volkswagen. Volkswagen owns them all. Volkswagen owns Volkswagen. They own Bentley. They own Lambo. They own Fiat. They own a whole bunch of companies. You got to own the value chain. It's not about just high ticket or low ticket. That's a dumb argument. We arguing over dumb stuff and I'm the leader of it. I'm the leader of arguing over dumb stuff. It's not about high ticket or low ticket. It's about all tickets. All tickets matter. All tickets matter. Let's get all the money. The funny thing is, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but like we need all the money, all the different, all the different ways of getting the money and all the customers too. and stop um, cutting down each other for the way that other people are getting their money like that's 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 a bar right there because we need it all like you can't be in real estate and 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 talking about how i mean maybe stocks isn't your thing but you can't like we got to be careful with saying like stock market's a scam or whatever because it's a black man next to you that the only thing he does is stocks he's getting stock money you getting real estate money y'all might not agree on what's the best asset but we need it all we need it all we need the stocks. We need the real estate. We need the business. We need it. Even within real estate, people, it's so funny. Like one person say, I deal only with land because it's, it's simple. Then you got another guy who's also a millionaire be saying like, I don't deal with land because you can't really make money off it. It's a headache. It doesn't produce cash flow, but he's also a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else does only Section 8. Somebody else won't touch Section 8. And we got all these different avenues and we need all to be in all of them. We need to be in residential. We need to be in commercial. We need to be in business partnerships. We need it all, man. Start arguing with each other. Just build. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P-O-D. Follow my man Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion, because there's only one. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles and the parent company at Todd Billion and at Todd.Capital. Subscribe to the podcast, all that. Subscribe to the YouTube, Todd Capital on YouTube. We're building the black CNBC. It's coming, man. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to leave you one. Last tweet, one last thought before we break out of here. My man Charles said, all minimum wage activities must be outsourced. Episode 124 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael. And my guy, Charles Oglesby III, JD, a.k.a. Todd Millier, Millionaire. We are out of here. Yes, this is Donald, the voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. 
And if you have podcast or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm give you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweak Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.